Thank you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Great to be with you today. We've got um, what I think is a very interesting program. It's a continuation, actually, of a discussion, a conversation that I began with Mary Piper in studio last week. And this week I'm joined again uh, by Francis Harry, my co-host. Francis, great to have you back in studio. Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be back with you, too. We um, just quickly introducing this um, conversation. We had begun a conversation with Mary, um, who is the treasurer uh, of Radio Maria, for those of our listeners who may have not uh, had an opportunity to tune in last week. And we talked a little bit about uh, some work she's doing around a school of evangelization, uh, some work that she's doing overseas with trying to expand the footprint of the Radio Maria family. Um, And most especially what we talked about is the role of the Blessed Mother Mm -hmm. uh, in all of the work of evangelization. We know that this is a special grace-filled time for the church and that Mary is playing the central role in that. And we need to understand our relationship with our Blessed Mother and in the context of evangelization, understand the role that both she... And through her, the development of our interior life of prayer play in making us effective evangelists and effective apostles. Um, and that's what we just uh, started a conversation on last week, Francis. Um, and I wanted to continue that conversation this week with some uh, literature strictly from the Carmelite um, community uh, around this idea of evangelization and the role of the Blessed Mother. But what I'd like to do first, as we do each week, is begin in prayer. And I'd like to ask you to lead us as you do each week. Okay, this is a a prayer that was composed in 2003. Um, It's the prayer of the Carmelite family. Um, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Tender-hearted God, renew the gift of the Holy Spirit within us as we seek to live following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Teach us, like Mary, to contemplate your wisdom. Fill us, like Elijah, with zeal for your glory. Inspire us, like Simon Stock, to ponder your will in times of change. Like Teresa, John, Trez, and Titus, may we live always in your presence and make us prophets of your kingdom. May our lives of prayer, community, and service be assigned to the world that God lives in whose presence we stand. This grace we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, I'd, I want to just give a quick um, little uh, program note. Uh, Francis, this may even be news for you, and I apologize for the surprise, but I'm doing a little research on Titus Bransma right now. Oh, yes, he's amazing. And I look forward, actually, to our being able to do a program on him. I know yes. you and I have discussed that in the past. Um, he does have some wonderful works out um, that that um, he is noted for. And, of course, uh, he passed away uh, some time ago. But uh, nonetheless, we would love to uh, do a complete program, maybe a couple of programs, uh, on his writings and on his unique spirituality. He was uh, of the ancient observance, yes, uh, if I recall. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, he was very devoted to um, the, the saints of the Reform, um, Therese, I think, in particular. And uh, we would love to...
love to share both his writings and his spirituality. So we'll do that in a future program. Uh, tonight is uh, we begin this conversation, Francis. Of course, uh, even before we came on the air, uh, we know that our hearts are heavy. This is the day, uh, depending on when you listen to this program. But uh, nonetheless, um, the unfortunate day of events in Washington D.C. that we now know has resulted in the deaths of at least thirteen people as a result of the shootings in the naval shipyard. Right. So, so we pray for them. Mm. Our hearts go out both to. Uh, the victims and to their families and and to all those who've been affected by this, I think it would be difficult uh, to return to that place of work in in, um, in the near future. And so, all of the um, the individuals affected by this, we certainly lift up in prayer. We ask our family in Carmel and our listeners uh, to this radio program, be they in Carmel or not. Uh, to lift those people up in prayer. And you mentioned also the yes. folks in Colorado. We, yes, in Colorado we still have uh, like a thousand people, uh, lots of people that are still missing as a result of being cut off uh, with the river flooding. Um, so that's a, an intense situation. So here we have both human and natural um, disaster that are causing great havoc, tragedy. So um, we have to pray Pray, pray. Prayer changes things. So be sure, take time to pray. You know, um, just quickly to mention, seven, I think, tragedies, seven deaths in Colorado, as far as I know. Twelve. In Colorado? Thirteen. I, last no, no. I saw was thirteen. In Colorado? Yes. As yes. a result of the flooding? Ye- oh, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, I'm think, sorry. I was thinking of the naval yard. Yeah, no, That's the all naval water, you know. 13. Um, I'm sorry. Um, the uh, Colorado is seven. The last I heard, before we came into the studio, that was the last I heard. But you reminded me that the... Uh, unfortunately, the the unaccounted for go north of a thousand. So yes, um, so we, still so much uh, uh, to be resolved there, and prayer is necessary. I find it uh, interesting. I, I think that's probably an appropriate word for us to use here. Um, that all of the press has referred to the flooding in Colorado as of biblical proportions. Ah, interesting. Uh, you know, these are things that we've never seen before. Yeah, and so um, was the fire not long ago that was there in Colorado, yeah. which happened uh, two times in a row. Right. So, oh right. boy, God bless Colorado. Yeah. Come so to there's, their aid. There's plenty, as you've said, Francis, p- plenty to pray for. Yes. Well, we need change in the world. There's no question about that. We need to change hearts and we need to change minds. And that begins. Uh, with the role of evangelization, a communication and communi- uh, communicating the gospel, um, it centers on not just the church, not just the ministers of the church, be they deacons or priests or bishop or Religious. sisters, a- mm-hmm. a- any of those. Of course, they play a significant role, but we, the laity, have been called on to be part of this. It's part of our baptismal promise. We know this now. We've covered this in previous uh, broadcasts, but um, this is part of what we, as a people of God, are called upon to do, and I think in a unique way. Uh, we as Carmelites have been given this mission, not only for contemplative prayer, but an apostolic mission to be that seed within the world that changes. That is, in the words of uh, John Paul II, that is a um, a voice of hope yes. in a world that desperately needs hope. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so much confusion, disorientation, violence, uh, chaos. Um, we need stability and order. We have a God of order, a God of stability. Um, God makes good of all the mess. He's the only one that can make good of all the mess. So we have to turn to God. 
And we know, uh, certainly in Carmel, we understand that that process of communicating, of being witnesses to hope, uh, that's the word I was looking for, witnesses to hope in in a world, in a darkened world that needs hope, that needs the light of the gospel, uh, more so today, I, I have to say, of course, this is our experience. We live now. Right. So more so um, than perhaps at any other time in history, we've read, we know the incidences, the tragedies throughout the history of the human experience. But uh, in, in this time, not only, I think, are these natural and man-made disasters so prevalent, but the lack of hope seems pervasive. Yes, it does. And and there's one place to find hope, and that is by keeping your eyes on Christ. Right. And we, we the people, we in particular as Carmelites, are like Mary, standing at the foot of this cross, this cross that humanity is going through. And But we stand with Mary. We, we don't fall apart and wail. We, we may be crying, but we're hopeful because we know that Christ changes things that christ makes good of it all and so with mary we pray and we ponder and we look to christ she always points us to christ so when we ask for the change in the world we got to start with ourselves right and and we can change best by praying yeah i think that's uh, so true francis you know and again mary piper and i touched on this briefly in a conversation we had last week about the need for us to develop this relationship with the Blessed Mother because she will teach us this interior life. Yes. The one who kept all things in her heart, who was the model of the contemplative. But nonetheless, as we pointed out, she was a laywoman. She had a family. She had a husband. She had the responsibilities that so many people face in maintaining day-to-day existence. And yet she had a deep contemplative experience of her God. And she carried that, the vision, of course, uh, the image of this is her carrying the Christ child, the seed of the Christ child that was within her, uh, to her cousin Elizabeth. Yes. And that very image is the image that we as contemplatives must be. You know, yes. Elizabeth of the Trinity has this uh, very interesting analogy. She said, I think the model of the contemplative is the Blessed Mother from the Annunciation to her visitation with Elizabeth. Yes. And in that time, she... Uh, nurtured the seed of Christ within her. It's a great analogy. And then when she presented herself to Elizabeth, Elizabeth immediately recognized her Savior, recognized the the gift that Mary herself was carrying. That's who we have to be in the world. We have to accept the Annunciation that we've been given in our baptism, the gift of an interior dwelling of the Trinity within us. We have to nurture that through contemplative prayer, and then we have to carry that out into the world. Right. We have to affect other people's lives through that. That is so beautiful and, and, and worthy of even more pondering Well, we have a great letter that actually ponders that experience as well as the call to evangelization for us as Carmelites. This is uniquely a Carmelite only in the sense that it is written by uh, a Carmelite friar, uh, Alzini. Da Bastiani, you're the Italian, Francis, so I'll let you say that if I, if I, <laughs> he's Brazilian. <laughs> De Bastiani is De what Bastiani, I was thinking. But, yeah. um, I, I, I forgive think you're me right. if I've messed up on yeah. that. Um, and, and, uh, he wrote a letter, um, in attendance actually at a Congress for the Western, 
um, what do you call it? the Western it? Province. The uh, Western uh, Province, Or the right. region. Francis uh, knows the, uh, the this, organizational yeah, elements better than I this do. This Congress happened this uh, past summer, 2013, in Portland, Oregon. And um, Father DiBastiani is the uh, general delegate of the OCDS. So, um, I mean, he's not ahead worldwide. of the... Yes, worldwide. Yeah. He's not ahead of the worldwide order, right. but he is he- ahead of the... OCDS, the seculars um, of the discalced Carmelites worldwide. And so he was invited to come and speak to the Congress, and so he presents uh, this letter. And I I pondered um, how coincidental that he's from Brazil. (laughs) And, and, you know, Latin America is getting so much attention now with Pope Francis. Um, But we we just love our um, general delegate. He is just wonderful. And he has a lot to uh, teach us, so uh, I'm thrilled that we're going to be uh, speaking of some of his points tonight. Well, he made an address at the Western Regional Congress of the OCDS, and uh, we have, uh, luckily, the um, proceedings of his uh, presentation in writing, and Francis and I have sort of gone through and highlighted a couple of key themes that we think resonate through this, uh, which he's trying to communicate to those of us in Carmel, certainly the seculars, uh, but I, in fairness, I think this is uh, appropriate for all Christians. Yes. Francis, his message, as we'll get into in a moment. Well, one of the um, first things that... Um, um, I'm going to go with Father D, if you don't mind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Father D introduces us to Francis as a reminder, of course, that we'll be celebrating the fifth centenary of the birth of the Holy Mother Teresa, right. our Teresa, Teresa of Avila, in the year 2015, not far away. Um, and he reminds us of this key message of our uh, mother, uh, Teresa, our Holy Mother, as we refer to her, uh, where she says, And we should all say, by the way, I am yours. For you, I was born. What do you want me to do? Yes, this comes from one of her most famous poems. And and it echoes within my heart many times. And and, uh, it is a beautiful prayer, too. So um, you can ponder that as a prayer and offer that as a prayer. You know, we've said this many times, Francis. I know you've spoken to this specifically, that we are not called to Carmel simply for our own holiness. Mother Teresa, Holy Mother Teresa um, of Avila, has said in her writings, you know, you weren't called to Carmel to create little nests for yourself, right. uh, my little friends. You know, she says, you were called to Carmel to sacrifice and to uh, love and to be that message of hope, if you will. I'm using a little poetic license here, but she's very clearly calling us to something more than just our individual holiness. Our life of prayer is not designed to be self-serving. That's the great risk, isn't right. it? That our life of prayer just becomes another way of serving ourselves. But we're not called to that in yeah, Carmel, are we? If we've done that, we've messed up. I mean, the, the whole thing is love God and love neighbor. So if you're all about just making yourself holy and you're not thinking about serving your neighbor, uh, which, by the way, is the greatest way, the greatest <laughs> test, the greatest measure of how well you love God is by how well you love your neighbor, um, you know, we we don't want to fall short of that. So if you're not, you know, reaching out uh, and, and helping in your little ways, it's, it's just in your moment moment uh, events, experience, yeah. it, it, wherever you're at. 
Um, so it, it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be full of love. <laughs> like Therese says, you know, it, it's the love with which you do things, not the, the, uh, the, bigness of it, the hugeness or the number of people, it's its the love. That's what it's all about. Well, Father D goes on in this letter to say, we are called to collaborate in the new evangelization. He captures that term, the new evangelization, mm-hmm. for the transmission of the Christian faith. So we, the faithful, we, the lay people, we, the seculars in Carmel, this is our commission. He's laid it out now. He's been very clear. Listen, we're not here just for our own holiness, our participation in community. And he talks a lot about community, and we're going to do that uh, throughout the course of this program, likely another one. Um, but he, he makes clear that our call to community is not simply to serve either ourselves, which we've always uh, agreed to, or even that community that we may participate in Carmel, but that is where we are nourished so that then that gift of grace can bear fruit to the community at large. Yeah, this is the larger call. And as Holy Mother Teresa <laughs> says, to give a thousand lives to save one soul. And so, you know, we're in a unique situation right now this year. We have um, this year of faith that we're in. Mm-hmm. We have this preparation, this six-year <laughs> preparation for the uh, fifth centenary of St. Teresa's birth. We're also celebrating the anniversary of the Second Vatican Council. And then we also have the Synod of the Bishops in the New Evangelization from 2012, you know, challenging us. And so these are all opportunities coalescing together to help us to grow in that missionary zeal. And when I hear that word zeal, guess where I go? I go with the zeal of St. Elijah. Mm. You know, with zeal have I been zealous for the Lord God of hosts. That's right. Absolutely. You know, the, the, um, Father D here again picks up on, uh, Teresa's writings, but he's, he's advocating for each of us this idea of direct contact with her writings. You mentioned we're on a six year plan. Read in a meditative way, and he says this will enable us to share the human and spiritual adventure which she herself lived and which she holds out to each of us. You know, we have to remind ourselves, Francis, not perhaps you and I, but uh, in the programs that we've done on Teresa and, and so many times bringing her into our conversations here, this is not a woman who sat behind the walls of a Carmel, is it? <laughs> no. I, I don't remember, and I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you recall how many Carmels she founded, how many monasteries well, it seems she it founded? It seems it was 17. And every one of those, regardless of the number, every one of them, I happen to know, are still active Carmels today. How about They're that? still active. Creating vocations and becoming a blessing to the world by virtue both of their contemplative prayer and of their apostolic nature. Service of the church and service to the world. That's what she called us for. Yeah, because in her charism will help us do that. And so by reading and reflecting on her life and how she's managing life, how she's doing life, um, helps us to know how to do life, how to uh, live in allegiance to you, Jesus Christ. You mentioned the sort of confluence of these uh, major initiatives, one of them, of course, being the conclusion of the Year of Faith, which was begun by uh, His Holiness Benedict XVI, launched actually in October of 2012. Uh, so that will conclude here next month. And he says uh, to us in the document that initiated this, um, that we are called especially, I thought this was interesting, especially for those who were baptized but have been away from the church uh, 
bringing about a loving and friendly encounter with Christ, the source of life, the one who leads us into the participation in the Trinitarian life. I thought it was interesting that Benedict, uh, at the time Pope Benedict, uh, called us to this mission of the baptized. And isn't that interesting that that's the mission field he wants us, I think, to turn to first. It seems logical when you consider that that is a great source for the church that remains somewhat untapped, I think, in in our day and age, uh, these folks who've fallen away a bit. Well, and and he also says in this year of faith that it's a summons to us, to all of us, to an authentic and renewed conversion to the Lord. So we also have to be converted more. Um, it's a it's an ongoing process, you know. Uh, there's always more. So you're never converted and you're done. It, it's an ongoing process. And so when they announce this year of faith, I'm like, oh, great. That means the Lord wants to increase our faith. So that means the gift is waiting. So all we have to do is ask and then act on it. You know, I think it was um, one of the greatest gifts that I personally received when I came into Carmel and I uh, certainly credit Francis Yu with a lot of the early teaching that I received in Carmel and then the founding of the community that we now enjoy in Dayton. But one of the key themes that came through for me was this very idea that our faith <clears throat> is not something that remains, uh, I don't even want to use the word dormant, but doesn't remain sort of stable, but it is something that increases in the intimacy of our understanding of the Lord, his working in our life, all of this increases over time, and it is something that should increase. Right. And, you know, one of the things that Father De Bastiani said, um, he was saying, faith working through love becomes a new criterion, criterion of understanding and action that changes the whole of man's life. And so I keyed in on that. Faith working through love. That could be like our little m- motto for a while. You know, let, let's work on that, especially as we come to the near uh, the end. Uh, we're coming to the end of this year of faith. Let's, let's really press in on this faith. And and to do that, we have to make acts of faith. So this means we don't have the evidence before us. We have to leap out in faith. And then it's, the faith is confirmed in us. So it makes our faith even stronger so that we can leap a little bit bigger the next time. Well, and of course, our Holy Mother Teresa certainly um, uh, placed her own faith in the events and in the risks oftentimes that she took in founding these small communities of nuns who were, in her own words, to be friends and were to be mutually helpful to one another. This is her theme on community, and I don't want to miss the point. Two themes that she wants to echo, I think, uh, through this writing. One, the importance of community. You know, we talk a lot about community in our own community in Carmel and how important it is to be with like-minded people who both face the same trials and struggles in our journey of faith, but also have the victory and the graces. You know, so many of our folks, Francis, we've been seeing them online and praying for them, are struggling with uh, medical problems now, some of them financial problems, others uh, challenges with their children and so forth. But we come together as community, both collectively once a month and online, I would say at least a couple times a week, I think we communicate. to rally behind each other and yes. to support each other, not just in our prayer. That's certainly true, and we're going to see what um, uh, Holy Mother Teresa has to say about that. But also 
um, you know, active ministry of reaching out to people. Right. What can I do to help? How can I assist? How can I lift the burden off uh, your shoulder in a very practical way? This is also part of our community. Yeah, and, and community is a, it's a group of friends that all must be loved, all are equal, all must be held dear, all must be helped, and we share in this common spiritual heritage and that we encourage each other in love of God and love of neighbor. And we don't want to appear, you know, to sort of be patting ourselves on the back. I think the message, the theme that we're trying to communicate is this is part of the Christian walk. Get involved. Be involved. Now, it may be in some people's case that they're only following, able to follow uh, Holy Mother Teresa's commission, uh, her word, which is prayer. Uh, and, and for those who may be infirmed or limited, um, you know, in terms of their physical mobility and other things, that may be your call. But nonetheless, our call is to be involved, to be actively involved in ministry and participating, if not in Carmel, if not in some other formal community, maybe in our own parish. Well, I mean, just pick up the phone, talk to people, encourage them, be a sign of hope for others. I want to pick up on this theme of uh, prayer as the beginning point of all of this and the support of community when we do come back. And a reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back.
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. Um, We were discussing the uh, teaching of our Holy Mother Teresa, that's Teresa of Avila, in a letter by Father Dabastiani. Uh, who is the um, Discalced Carmelite Friar of the province of St. Joseph in Brazil and is also the general over the OCDS or the secular... General delegate. uh, General Mm -hmm. delegate over the secular uh, order of Carmelites. That's, of course, those of us who are seculars. And discalced. Discalced, Mm -hmm. of course. Uh, Now, we had begun to discuss... uh, uh, Mother Teresa, uh, Teresa of Avila, and her word, of course, which is centered on prayer, uh, she compares, I thought this was an important quote from the uh, document, she compares those who do not pray or who pray badly with a paralytic. Uh, This is from Interior Castles. The one who is unable to walk. Now, interestingly, I just mentioned uh, those who may struggle with uh, um, infirmities that limit them in their ability to be actively participating in their church, but nonetheless, prayer um, is still available to them. Uh, St. Teresa is saying to us, if we pray badly, we're really nothing more than uh, the paralytic in spiritual matters in that we're not able to move about, we're not able to affect change um, if we're not actively engaged in meaningful uh, prayer. I'm uh, reminded also, Francis, that uh, tomorrow is the feast of St. Albert of Jerusalem, who, of course, is the author of our rule that was handed down to us in 1247. That was uh, finally decreed by uh, Pope Innocent IV. Um, And there are some key uh, themes, I think, within the rule that are probably worth mentioning here. Yes, let's review those. Well, the first one is, each one shall remain in his cell. Of course, we've talked about what this cell means. Um, it, it's the interior. It's our soul. It's where we do our deepest uh, prayer in uh, in conversation with the Lord. But the the rule says each one shall remain in his cell or near it, meditating day and night on the law of the Lord and watching in prayer, unless otherwise justly occupied. And I think it's important that we note uh, this just occupation. And when you think of watching in prayer, I'm thinking of you know the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is asking his <laughs> comrades there. Will you not watch one hour with me? Right. You know, so this is important, very important for us. These works we talk about, we're going to talk more about them in just a moment, but these uh, uh, evangelical works, these apostolic works must begin with prayer. One of the risks, and and in fact, John Paul in this very letter is referenced later on, and I'll, I'll preempt that and just say the caution he provides us is we have to be careful not to become, I'll use the term sort of social activists in our participation in parish work and community life, where the work and, and uh, our desire to do certain things becomes paramount to being led into those things through prayer. And you had picked up on, uh, again, uh, St. Teresa's um, reflection on the importance of prayer. Well, when we when we go through the exodus of ourself and enter into the light of Christ, the, the light that and love that burns within our hearts. It is uh, Teresa who's talking about the graces of prayer, and she says, prayer is the door to favors as great as those as he granted me, which we know were huge. She says, if this door is closed, the prayer 
is the door. Okay, so if this door of prayer is closed, I don't know how he will grant them. In other words, you know, like we're missing out on opportunities because we're not praying. And I mean, if you want the graces and blessings to flow into you, into your soul, so that they can flow out to the world, you have to be there at the door. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a struggle that we enter into every single day. Isn't it true, Francis? This is my experience. I suspect that it's yours, but I don't want to uh, presume, I guess, on, on your uh, experience. My own is, well, but I have to go do this. And gosh, I wanted to get through morning prayer, you know, but I, I have this other responsibility and I have work and I, oh, I have to, you know, some perhaps less important things like I got to get to the gym and you know what I'm well, talking about. Like, I got to get to my kids' the sporting. The busier event. you are, the more in need you are of taking time to pray because yeah. that is showing that your world is probably a little out of kelter, <laughs> you know, and that the priorities need to be lined up or that because you're so busy, you need the grace of God to accomplish all of it. Yeah. I mean, there's story after story of people who said that, you know, they had this big, a lot of stuff to get done. And, um, you know, they were trying to do it out on their own. And then finally they stopped to pray. And then things start to go easy. <laughs> yeah. They turn so, to the Blessed Mother and say, Blessed Mother, could you handle some of these things? And thing, things seem to fall into place. You know what? We can, we can counsel. We can encourage. We can cajole. But at the end of the day, people won't know unless they engage in prayer, isn't that Yes, the truth? And, and we have to engage in prayer, even though it may not feel good. We just got to think of it like the sun. The sun shines on all the trees and all the flowers and all the people, all the buildings. And, you know, we're all benefiting from the sun, right? Yeah. But if we don't go to prayer, we don't let the sun, the S-O-N, shine mm-hmm. on us. So even though we don't experience it, even though we're frustrated, even though we're in darkness, we go because we know that the cloud behind that cloud is the sun um, and when those clouds move we, we see the sun and he reveals himself but you know we want to go to him regardless of how we feel about it uh, we want to go because we're committed that he is our God he is our creator he is our heavenly father who so compassionately loves us and who can help us handle everything so if you are busy I want you to remember this little um, little thing because every time I hear that word busy I, I remember this Busy, B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. Ooh, that's a little scary, right? So if you catch yourself saying the word busy, then you need to look at yourself and say, okay, let's get the priorities straight here. And and when we we understand the importance of prayer and we start to acknowledge that as a result of prayer, grace is flowing in our life, because we don't even stop to ponder that the graces have been coming. You know, when we think something good's happening, do we remember to say, thank you, God? Uh, so often we just like, oh, good. And then we just move on. But no, it should be, thank you, God. That did work out well. Because uh, praise and thanksgiving uh, bring on the graces of God. I'll tell you, one of the great, uh, for me anyway, uh, evaluations of conscience at the end of the day is while I'm laying in bed at night just before falling asleep, which is a good time to do your examination of conscience, yeah. um, is to say to myself, if I didn't pray in that day sufficiently, if I don't feel like I got through the office with enough attention or at all, or didn't get my rosary done, or didn't have that time of mental prayer, whatever it might be, then I would quickly ask myself, well, what did you accomplish today? What mm-hmm. did you get done? Uh, and then start to sort of evaluate those activities against 
what we claim to be the significance and the importance of prayer in our life? I think it's a fair question that we have to ask ourselves. Well, and, and we want to aim toward being in a life of prayer, not just having times of prayer. Right. And we, we start somewhere, we have times of prayer, but we want all of life to be a prayer so that in every moment our eyes are focused on Christ and are recognizing his presence within us and within others and within nature and in the events of our life. He is working in every fiber of our being in every moment of our life. Right. That's exactly right. We have to have both those moments of community that we talked about, times of community, because they support us and they strengthen us, they nourish us, they feed us. And community, by the way, could be two people, right? Francis, you yeah. and I have enjoyed many coffee breaks together where we sort of, you know, talk about what we're reading and we talk about the experiences in our life. That's community on one level. Yes. That nourishes our soul. We have to read. We have to have those times of prayer that are more formal in, in, in context. Yes, but solitude they lead, and silence. They lead to exactly what you're referring to, which is this sort of state of prayer. Prayer not then being an activity, which we have often said. Prayer is not an activity. It is a state of being. Yes. It yes. is a condition of being as human uh, persons to be in conversation with God and constantly. In, and in order to be more open to those graces, you know, God does want us to have times of prayer when it's solitude and silence, when as Teresa says, he wants the soul alone and clean and desirous of receiving his graces. Um, that That is very important. So if you have not taken time out and had some alone time with God, you're missing out. Um, there's a feast that they are waiting for you. Come to the table of the Lord. Well, the other aspect of this vocation, of course, is our concern then for others, for community, for the church. Uh, we mentioned some of the uh, the tragedies that uh, we're familiar with, unfortunately, that occurred today, the ongoing tragedies in, in Colorado and those that occurred in Washington at the Naval Yard, um, they must all be, and of course, we're remote from those, we're separated from those. We can't be in Colorado sort of lifting the burden or at the Naval Yard comforting the families, uh, but we know this extension of our prayer is a way of doing that. And I know, Francis, that you wanted to introduce a very special community of prayer that can be found online. Uh, again, somewhat unique to Carmel, but I'd like you to explain that. Yes, this was uh, begun by Loretta Gallagher. Oh, she's a wonderful lady in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And it is a daily prayer calendar for Carmelites so that you may participate in praying for a discalced Carmelite each day. And this is for the friars um, and the uh, Monastery of Nuns. And so you can go to www.dailyprayerforcarmelites.com and you can download each month um, a calendar. And on each day, it'll list a Carmel community to pray for or, or a particular friar prior uh, of the Carmelite order to pray for. And, you know, by praying for our religious, you know, they they have a lot of influence on the formation of the people they're instructing. And also their prayer for the world is so potent. So um, I encourage each of you to stop in at www.dailyprayerforcarmelites.com so that you can pray for these religious and help. Well, uh, picking up on this theme of 
how we extend ourselves uh, through prayer and prayer for others. Francis has introduced this mechanism for us uh, certainly to do that. Uh, again, before we get to the more formal active uh, work of uh, evangelization, uh, continuing on her theme of, uh, that is uh, Mother Teresa, Teresa Vavila's theme of how we can affect other people's lives through our prayer. Uh, I want to read just quickly from the Compendium of Social uh, Doctrine of the Church, a document from 2004, uh, which says, Being a person in the image and likeness of God involves existing in a relationship, in a relationship to the other I. This is a way of discussing how we extend ourselves uh, through the active work of prayer. And St. Teresa says um, this begins with becoming staunch friends of God. This is directly from her life, uh, 15.5 actually from her life, becoming staunch, staunch friends of God. And in building that interior relationship then with the Lord, we are filled with the fruit and the ability to begin to affect uh, both those around us and perhaps in some cases those who may not be directly uh, in our community, as we've discussed, uh, where we're praying for folks who may be uh, removed from us. But this, for her, all begins in community. And she, as I said a moment ago, uh, Francis and I, together in conversation, represent community. Larger groups in our monthly gatherings represent community. Maybe the people that you uh, come across in your parish, maybe there's a small group of uh, folks who gather together to pray each day. I know this is true in many of the parishes that I'm familiar with in the local area, which after Mass will gather for the rosary. Mm-hmm. And that's typically a smaller group. And she she discusses that also from her life. She says, um, in this small community that she herself pulled together, and I'm going to ask you, Francis, because I know you know more about this than I do, uh, what represented that that community that she pulled together. But she says, I should like the five of us who at present love each other in Christ to make a kind of pact that since others in these times gather together in secret against his majesty to prepare wicked deeds and heresies, of course we know there's a great deal of that going on in our society, we might seek to gather together sometime to free each other from illusion and to speak about how we might mend our ways and please God more since we do not know ourselves as well as others who observe us. If they do so with love and concern for our progress. Now this is the community that she's talking about. Do you remember the makeup? I know there were lay people involved in this as well. Well, I I think one was like a cousin or niece. Uh, these were the the women that would gather in her cell and they would talk. And this is at the time when the, in the convents the um, there were a lot of peop- extras <laughs> living yeah. with the nuns that were there. Um, some of them had whole suites, and uh, so they were not all on the same commitment level or really had the same foundational reason for being there. Right. Um, but she really wanted a group that really wanted to love God, that really wanted to be His friends, that really wanted to help each other to grow, so that they could be open and um, vulnerable to each other. And so, you know, she's talking about wanting these things, and, and one of the other women, I think there's about a group of five, like you said, yeah. uh, one of the other women, well, why don't we form a new community and do this, you know? And um, so it was very beautiful um, that it, it, it's from a, a group that were gathering in prayer and discussion. And so 
all of us need to be involved in some kind of group where we can pray together, where we can talk together, spiritual talk. I, I remember when I was coming to Carmel, I kept thinking, wow, I'm feeling fed here. And so I look forward to every meeting, every month. I'm looking forward to this because this is where I was spiritually rejuvenated with others that were like-minded, that wanted to pursue holiness. And so it doesn't have to be Carmel. You know, we're Carmelites, and we're talking about Carmelite spirituality, so we feature that. But it can be any kind of prayer group that has this focus of God. Yeah, and it's so powerful, isn't it? You know what this harkens back to, of course, not just the biblical reference where two or more are gathered, but also the cynical uh, Mary and the apostles in the upper room after uh, Christ's passion, uh, and I believe continuing through the resurrection, um, they remained in that prayer cynical. Cynical is the word that was used uh, to describe this small community of believers, really the seed mm-hmm. of the church that is coming together. This is such a powerful force in our church that I don't think is adequately exercised. Where two or more are gathered, therefore two is sufficient. But Teresa had pulled together five. She said, I I want us to gather as friends for mutual help in spiritual growth. This is the ideal community of life for St. Teresa. It is where people are brought together to pray. That's the the, the point here. You know, there's so many uh, communities that I'm familiar with and some I've participated in, which may be book studies, or they Mm -hmm. may be where people want to gather to sort of share their personal experiences, their trials with, you know, whatever the case might be, raising children or with financial burdens. And those are good things. Very beneficial. But most important, I think, is to have um, this small community, small in the sense that uh, you're open, as you said, uh, Francis, you're transparent with each other, you trust each other, you have confidence in each other, that the feedback you'll receive and the support that you will gain uh, will be forthcoming, and and you can trust it. Um, So to some extent, the smaller, the better. But the main point is that you come together to pray, to pray intensely. Right? right. This is not, well, let's get together and run through the rosary or let's get together and just, um, you know, do our series, sort of standard series of prayers. But it's an intense involvement in seeking the Lord's will and being a blessing to those around you. This idea that Teresa, uh, really, I don't know whether she started it. Certainly we could look to the cynical as the beginning of it, but she certainly advocated it. And for her, this was the most powerful form of community. Right. And, uh, you know, here she also helped develop this formation that helps one grow in prayer. What is prayer? What are we trying to do in prayer? How do we get better in prayer? Uh, how is God working in us through our prayer, through our lives? And so th- these discussions can be had. And, you know, even if you're in a larger community, it, there's nothing to keep you from gathering in groups of, of four or five, you know, together. Yeah. Uh, outside of your other meeting time but the thing is to to come together because that is um that is so uh helpful uh people are all the time telling us that we felt your prayers we felt lifted up we without the prayers we would not have had that peace we're just certain it was the prayers so uh, we want to encourage everybody to to find prayer partners develop spiritual friendships people who want to talk about the spiritual life and grow in the spiritual life grow in love yeah, I think what we're saying, Francis, is the work 
of evangelization, the apostolic work that is available to us in our parishes, in small communities, in our community at large, uh, is always there for us. But it has to begin with prayer. Individual prayer, deep interior contemplative prayer, but also prayer which comes together in community and focuses its effort, its energy, its devotion uh, in a very special and powerful way. And, you know, in um, The Way of Perfection, she, uh, St. Teresa gives some of the characteristics, I think, that are important that describe uh, elements, uncommon, she says, elements that one would expect to find. A culture of human virtues where, as you said, Francis, people are trying to grow in the virtues gentleness so that as we have to give feedback to each other we do so in a in a charitable and a compassionate way prudence there mm. has to be the ability to discern god's will uh discretion oh, right yes. uh something of, of of great importance simplicity mm, which our know? pope is really emphasizing right now and calling us to that poverty and well, simplicity and your reference to the busyness right um, yes. be, being able to remove distractions and detach ourselves from so much that draws us in, especially in modern society. Kindness and joy, yes. right? These are the central themes. This is what um, our, our uh, Holy Mother, St. Teresa, has gifted us with in this understanding of what community is really all about. And she has great advice for us. She says, those who really love God, love every good, desire every good, favor every good, praise every good. They always join, favor, and defend good people. They have no love for anything but truth and whatever is worthy of love. And so, you know, you're not jealous because somebody else is getting more graces or favors. You're, you're praised that, 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 you know, thanking God that, you know, he's working in that life and you're getting to see it and you're benefiting from it because, you know, what happens to one person in the body of Christ happens to all of us. You know, Father Devastiani goes beyond um, that text and, and uh, shares this with us. He says, in light of all these texts, of course, referring to the text that Francis and I are drawing from now from uh, St. Teresa, he says, to grow in fraternal communion is a constant need in every community because individualism is one of the characteristics of our modern society, which most easily seeps into our communities. Isn't that true? Yeah. It's all about the individual. Don't we hear this every day as though it's an admirable thing? And certainly there is an element of uh, individual, uh, you know, um, uh, forthrightness and, and strength and responsibility, which is admirable, but there's a, a an overemphasis on the individual within our society. What do I need? What do I want? Right. What's best for me? And you know, Mike, if we think about it, you know, the best example of community is the Trinity and then the Holy Family. And, and so we need to model them. Communities of self-giving in and of themselves. Yes. Total communities of self-giving. We've done shows, uh, programs on, on St. Joseph and, and what he suffered in support of the uh, of the Holy Family. Um, we're going to have to pick up, Francis, I think, on the next step in this letter, which is called the apostolic activity as the fruit of prayer. Right. I look forward to that conversation because I think it's important. We covered, obviously, this idea of uh, community, the importance of prayer in and of itself, a call to participation in evangelization First, through individual and interior prayer. Secondly, through small communities of prayer, 
We, I think we've we've drawn uh, fruit from Holy Mother Teresa in that regard. But then that prayer life, whether whether individual or community, has to blossom, has to grow, uh, has to bear fruit in apostolic activity. And we want to pick up, I think, on that conversation next week. Yes, and I want to invite our listeners to to call us next week and pitch in on that conversation because you're living this out. So we'd love to hear your experiences and your uh, reflections on that. You know, I have this wonderful prayer to end this discussion with, <clears throat> and it is a prayer for the Carmelite way of life. It was composed in 2007 to celebrate the eighth centenary, centenary, excuse me, of the giving of the Carmelite rule of St. Albert. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tender-hearted God, through St. Albert of Jerusalem, you assembled the holy hermits of Mount Carmel as a family of pilgrim people, seeking to live in allegiance to Jesus Christ. Like them, inspire us to imitate the first Christians of Jerusalem, that we may build your kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem. Like them, turn our hearts from conflict with others to the spiritual fight against all that distracts us from you. Like them, help us to draw water from the spring of Elijah and to live deeply our baptismal calling. With Mary, we commit to standing alongside those who are suffering. Help us to find you alone in the cell of our hearts and lead us through solitude into community. Let our prayer inspire our service of others and our service show us our need for prayer. May our silent contemplation bear fruit and proclaim that God lives in whose presence we stand. Use our poverty, chastity, and obedience to be good news for others. We thank you for our diversity, united by a common vision. We thank you for sustaining, reforming, and transforming us over centuries for the benefit of the church and the world. We thank you for the saints, those living and those gone before, who have shown us an ancient path to the mountain that is Christ. May all we do be done in your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Francis, for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing your time with us today on Carmelite Conversations. Again, we begin the Radio Mariathon uh, this week, and we hope you will join us and support uh, that most important effort, the continued work of evangelization, uh, which is, of course, supported by and supporting of our Blessed Mother and the message that she has to carry into our society, a message that this world so desperately needs to hear. Until next week, we thank you again, and God bless. Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.